Morbidly Beautiful presents a horror interview podcast hosted by Brody Hubbard. You have entered the chamber. Welcome back to the chamber on the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brody Hubbard. Always grateful to Lil Budang for that theme music, Itching for the Blood. This week, entering the chamber, my friend Miss Callie Marie. She is Best of Phoenix 2023 Best Artist. She came from the Tom Savini School. She made it all the way to the WWE and lots of other projects that she will talk about today. Check out some of her art. And if you're listening to the podcast, Instead of watching the YouTube video, let me describe what we're looking at. This is Miss Callie Marie and Bill Mosley, and they're holding up sneakers that she painted Otis from House of a Thousand Corpses and Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 on. And Bill was actually wearing these very shoes one of the times I ran into him. Here is some great Ghostface and Drew Barrymore art from Scream 1. Here's Linnea Quigley on a purse from Night of the Demons. I'm turning the frame sideways here so you can see all of this Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 skateboard. Always a big fan of the Frankenstein monster and the bride. Callie also explains the surprising way that she got into horror as a kid, and I'll give you a warning now. It could be triggering for those of you who have lost family members to violent crime. We don't get into detail. It's just, I think, an important part of Callie's story uh, that we acknowledge in the conversation. Also, just for context, when you hear us talk about Justin, that would be Mr. Callie Marie. That is, that's Callie's husband, somebody I met through Terror Trader a couple years back. Uh, um, lots of good friends between us um, that get mentioned here and there. So when in doubt, just assume it's a buddy of ours from the Arizona horror community. We also talk about horror novelizations. And so there's a lot for you to enjoy in this conversation today as Miss Callie Marie enters the chamber. Callie, you are Phoenix's best of 2023 artist. That's what that little guy over there says. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? Yes, yes. She's pointing at the, the certificate um, that from from my former employer many, 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 many years ago, Phoenix magazine I worked for. Um That's awesome. So so when you found that out, um, as not only a uh, a woman in a male-dominated industry, but particularly a horror-focused illustrator. How did that feel? Like, what was the impact of, oh, I'm considered the best? Like, the craziest thing is, like, you know, I kept looking and looking because it's like, okay, the magazine's coming out. Like, I didn't hear from anybody about anything. So I was like, my first year ever nominated for it. First year in Phoenix, never once did I think, okay, I'd actually like win this. The guy who won the last four years, I fully expected to continue to win. <laughs> so when I looked and I think it was actually just right on the website because I was getting impatient of trying to find the magazine and like my name was right there. I took a screenshot of it and I, poor Justin, I sent it to my mother first. <laughs> Justin was at work. He wouldn't have been able to see it right away anyway. But I said it to my mom and she's like, you sure that's not a fluke? I was like, what? what? She's like, well, I mean, like, think about it. Like, you know, it's the fifth largest city in the United States and it's a Southwestern area. And, you know, like you're new out there. Like, are you sure? I'm like, Donna, 
just say congratulations and let's move on. <laughs> but no, it didn't feel real. And I actually sat on the news for about a month and a half before I even announced it, just waiting for the right time to actually like put it out there. I know it kind of hit right before Mad Monster did. So I didn't want that to like do anything with like Justin working or him trying to take time off to like celebrate with me. And it's like just too much going on. And finally I was like, it's time. It's time. And it's been surreal ever since. Like, I still don't believe it. <laughs> like, it's printed out right over there. And I look at it every day. And I'm like, mm, you sure? Like, this isn't a fluke. Like, they didn't get the names mixed up. Like, I'm not second runner up. Because every year back home, we had, like, the best of the valley in the area that I'm from. And every year, I always played second. The first place winner has won every year since they started doing it. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to win out here if I can't win back home with people who have known me my entire life. <laughs> but no, it's it's surreal. It is. It's great, though. Yeah, your art has definitely taken the horror community by storm. I, I at, you, you referred to Mad Monster Party and one of the um, times that I was chatting with Bill Mosley, our, our friend from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 in the Firefly trilogy, he was wearing your shoes. And, and what I mean by that is shoes that you have done art on. <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is this year was actually the first time I'd actually met Bill in person, but I have worked with him numerous times in the past with shoes. He actually has two or three different pairs now. And it all started, I did a pair of Texas Chainsaw 2 shoes for a client maybe two and a half, three years ago. And so many people tagged him in them. I was working at Macy's at the time and I'll never forget it. A message pops up on my phone on Instagram and it is from Chop Top Mosley. And it says, shoes are great. Do you have them in a 10 and a half? And I like dropped my phone and I jumped like six feet in the air, like trying not to scream. Like Bill Mosley just asked me about shoes. Like, what is this? And, you know, I told him, you know, they're all custom to order. Was there anything in particular he wanted? And he's like, no, do whatever you want. I was like, okay. So the first pair is actually the pair that he didn't wear. He wore the second pair where after he got the first ones and he posted them, he was like, can you do a second pair? He's like, but I want to do Chop Top and um, Otis. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've never done Otis before. And he wanted a different version of Chop Top instead of like the scratching coat hanger one. Yeah. So it was really cool to get to be able to do those. And he messaged me the Thursday before Mad Monster. He was like, hey, I heard you're in Phoenix now. I packed your shoes. I was like, <laughs> okay, all right. And the best thing is like, as soon as Justin is wonderful, as soon as we found out that Bill Mosley was coming out, he made sure I had a photo op with him. And uh, when Bill said he brought the shoes out, I kept putting everybody else in line ahead of me. Like yeah. I was like, I need to be last in line to see Bill. Like, I need to be last. And when I got up there, he's like, we had already met prior to the photo op, but he was like, you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm like, you're going to take your shoes off and we're going to hold them up in a picture. He was like, yep. So that's <laughs> what we did. And he was so cute because anytime somebody asked him about the shoes that weekend, he was so excited to tell them about me. And he's just such a great guy. And the fact that he was there by himself, he didn't have a handler. Like he was doing everything on his own and took the time to actually talk to everybody. Yeah. Like, I just waltzed up to his table. I was like, I'm not here to buy anything. I'm just here to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like so stoked. He threw his feet up on the table to show the shoes. And it was just really cool. So yeah. hopefully we continue to work together or who knows what else is going to lead through those doors. But yeah, that was uh, surreal. Surreal. That's exciting. You, you've you had, um, I, I referred to it um, when we were previewing in the last episode that you'd be coming on. I said, a, a fascinating person with quite a career journey. 
And um, I have had quite the career journey. Yes. <laughs> uh, now I, I want to, I do want to get to Pittsburgh, but I want to hear first about how you, so I, 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 I look at my, my five-year-old daughter and, and, she, and who, you know, and she, she is somebody who gravitated towards horror without my influence whatsoever. Like I took uh, her brother, my, my son to like a mad monster party in 2018. Yeah. And he, he kind of caught wind of it, got hip to it, like from me, but his sister just Halloween stores or Halloween displays at, at shops, you know, just jumping right towards them she's picked her own favorite she fell in love with the image of otis in house of a thousand corpses on the poster and just was obsessed with it and was obsessed with meeting bill um how how did you come to that early interest in horror you know so it's a lot of people think it's a really tragic story but i look at it as a total opposite um so when i was 10 years old my niece was brutally murdered and my parents tried everything to like shelter the rest of us from like kind of knowing what had happened or like getting into any of it. They thought, I don't know if it was just them trying to be overly protective, like we're going to protect you from all the actual horrors in the world or what. But my family was also very religious. So growing up in that environment, like country music only, like can't listen to rock and roll, it's the devil's music, like that kind of environment. Yeah. And um, after my niece had passed, I started watching, it was actually the show CSI. Oh and yeah. I got really big into CSI and I wanted to become a crime scene investigator, which was a horror to my parents that like 10 years old coming home from the Scholastic Book Fair with a CSI kit instead of like an actual book. Right. Um, but then it gravitated to the first horror movie I ever watched. I snuck back out into the living room and DirecTV used to have what was known as the Chiller Channel. Yes. And sure. I miss Chiller so much because it opened up my eyes to so much. And it was a double feature is Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky. <laughs> and at that time, like 10 years old, I thought they were the greatest things in the world. So I would like continuously sneak back out into the living room, make sure everybody was asleep. And then it was like the crow and like diving more into it. Um, and then when I was maybe 13 or 14, um, I started volunteering at a local haunted house again to my parents horror because <laughs> they don't do any of that. And um, it's just kind of snowballed since then, you know, like, took it upon myself the rest of my family like all the kids growing up I'm one of six so the three older ones um none of them are into horror like especially since my niece passed my older sister's daughter like none of them got into it still very like hallmark movies only and then my younger sister she she doesn't really care about horror but my baby brother the youngest one he kind of gravitated towards it after like he saw what I went to school for and everything else like even now he's 23 and he'll text me. He's like, do you have any Netflix recommendations? Like, how's this movie? What's your thoughts on this? Like, can you tell me about this one? Like, I need to know a good movie to take a girl to. And I was like, buddy, I got you. Like, <laughs> thank you for indulging in this with me because I had nobody until we were like all out of the house. Yeah. Now this was all in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Yeah. It was all back. Um, I'm from Scranton. Right. Uh, yes. Very famous uh, yeah. NBC sitcom from Oh, yes. property um but you did like you mentioned go to school you ended up going to tom savini school for makeup in pittsburgh is that correct that is correct and it's funny because i originally senior year of high school i took my ap art class so i had art credit going into colleges and my parents and i toured a few fine art schools and the one that stuck out the most there was one outside of lancaster pennsylvania and they told me my style was too dark and macabre and they would not accept me and i was like but it's art. Like, how can you 
say that somebody's style is too different when art is supposed to be subjective. Like it didn't make sense to me. And at that point I had been volunteering with the haunted house that I worked at for mm, probably close to 10 years. And I was their lead um, special effects girl. Like I did all their makeup. I helped with the set design, the props, everything. And it really was, um, it was a mixture of the owner, James, and my AP art teacher in high school, who I really do owe him a lot because he just let me do whatever I wanted. Like he never like let me stick to the rules of projects. He's like, you want to do your own thing? Cover in blood, go for it. Like <laughs> you do you kid. And he was super supportive, but they both suggested I look into something special effects wise. Yeah. And really no special effects school offers a degree. Tom Savini school was the only one. So, you know, a month later, my parents and I drive the five hours out to Pittsburgh, uh, actually a small town outside of Pittsburgh. It's called Manesson. It's only a two mile long town, itty bitty. There's 14 churches in two miles, just a, <laughs> a very loud Sunday crowd there. Yeah, it sounds um, like the East Valley a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Of, of Arizona. Uh, no, we went out there and we were just blown away like the entire school itself was just all built by the students you know like all the facades on the walls were just hand built by the students and the teachers and talking to them about like my work and you know just like what I was interested in and at that point I was like okay I'm going to apply sent in the application sent in some scholarship stuff ended up winning a scholarship that covered a quarter of my tuition through them and it's just kind of snowballed since there and like the whole experience at that school was it feels like a weird fever dream. It's yeah. like, if you yeah. ask any two people that have gone to that school, it's two totally different experiences. And it's always just the weirdest things that you can think of that <laughs> happen at that school. And you don't think it's like twice about it. It's like, oh, you know, like there was a teacher throwing a party and doing drugs with students in the classroom instead of actual <laughs> classwork. Okay, that, that makes sense. You had blue hair and a mohawk and you wore lingerie, like okay, like what, what kind of school is this? Like my parents started to get concerned because I'm like, you know, little Christian Kelly coming out to school and coming back home like three weeks later with a blue mohawk and shave sides on her head. And, <laughs> you know, just, it was interesting. I think my parents kind of second guessed it at first. Um, they were like, okay, you're five hours away from us. Like, what are you doing? It seems like a party school, but I was just there for the artwork and making the friends. And there's so many people from all walks of life. I was actually the youngest one in my class. Mm -hmm. uh, most everybody else was in their thirties or forties. Okay. So going in at 18 and not many kids under 25, like it was a totally different environment. And honestly, I learned a lot just like being there and like being thrown into all of this, you know, I've had onset experience with it. Um, at one time I ended up befriending, he was my neighbor up the road from me, but he's, uh, Tom Savini's like right-hand man. Like they co-own the shop together and everything now. And Cartman was like, Hey, I need you to come down to the school and just bring some powder and just like look decent. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I just need you to powder some faces for like a thing that we're doing. It's like, okay, that's a little <laughs> weird. Like. I walk into the room and it's Doug Bradley sitting in the chair that needed his head powdered because he was doing an interview for the Smoke and Mirrors Tom Savini documentary. And I was like, you could have <laughs> warned me. Like you couldn't have told me that I was getting into this ahead of time, but right. no, no, never. <laughs> you uh, got some opportunities from that school, I think, just not only with your networking and the fact that you were yeah. there, right? I, I, so there's been a lot, like I credit a lot to that school because I really pushed myself creatively with trying to think outside of the box of what other people were doing. 
Um, one in particular, I mean, I've worked with Tom and Cartman off and on since I've left the school. Anytime I needed work, he'd be like, hey, drive out to Manesa and I got you. So I've had the luxury of working on some masks for Slipknot, the new Corey Taylor mask. I worked with WWE with Eric Redbeard's um, The Dead Lamb mask from a couple of years ago and the Triple yeah. H crown. Um, Bray Wyatt, who unfortunately we... Yeah, we lost um, as of this recording last week. Yeah, and we yeah. Were, this is a Bray Wyatt household. We we got to speak with Wyndham during the pandemic oh. beginning on vi video chat, um, me and my kids. Oh, yeah. Wyndham was so sweet. And I've only met him a handful of times, but my buddy Cartman was like, they they were best friends. So like when that happened, my heart shattered for Cartman. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work, which is like random bands, like Code Orange. Um, I had the opportunity to do the jacket for the lead singer. And that was like on not fest stages around the country and like just big things like that. But also I did a life-size Uncle Fester lamp because I had never seen one before and I wanted to make one and the Adams family is very near and dear to me. And uh, so that was my project for semester. I made a fiberglass head of Jackie Coogan with the light bulb in the mouth and turned it into a working lamp. And Ripley's Believe It or Not reached out to me and were, they were like, hey, can you send us some really high res photos and a little like bio about you? Like we wanna put you in next year's book. And at that point, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, okay, this isn't ever going to get approved. Like, it's going to get nixed. And the next thing you know, a couple months later, the book shows up at my parents' house. Like, they just <laughs> sent me a copy of it before it was ever released. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in here. Like, <laughs> what in the world? Um, you know, and it's things like that. And then just working on the shoes and, like, the traction that I've gotten from that between, like, friends of Tom that are, like, Carolyn Williams, who have shared my work and finding bill mosley and it's just a wild network of people that i wouldn't have met unless if i went to that school that's excellent there's the the illustrations there are like you said you've done um kind of some creations um and then of course the adorning shoes purses jackets and if uh, correct me if i'm mistaken but that's been kind of your main focus since you've been in arizona we actually met when um I saw you at the local shop and there you are doing live art, doing, doing the, the actual painting there. And no, oh gosh, that was probably last May or June. <laughs> like that was a while ago. Cause I was painting out at the creep cast table. And I remember you and the kids just coming up and like, just standing there <laughs> thinking, man, I should do a story time just sitting here talking to the kids. Like <laughs> we should have done that. We should have capitalized on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so actually, uh, May or October of 2021, I had done my first actual event, like my first vending experience ever. I was still in Pennsylvania at the time. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, it's only the second one they've ever done in this area. You know, it's a Halloween based market in a cemetery back home. So I was like, how could you go wrong? It's a historical right. cemetery. <laughs> like, let's do it. And my mom was like, yeah, you know, like if you want to do it, go for it. Like vending spaces were only $50. Like it was absurdly cheap and I was like yeah. okay let's see what I can do and I was working full-time at Macy's I was the um the manager of the cosmetics and fragrance department so I was like 50 hours a week at Macy's and then staying up my poor mom she got so stressed out over me staying up all night every night like working on things and just drinking energy drinks to like get this done on top of working on just like the little commissions that I did have at the time and at the market I sold out of almost everything and I'll never forget it. My mom looked at me and she's like, 
you should do this full time. She's like, I think you should take the jump now. Like if you don't do it now, you know, Macy's will always be waiting for you when you get back, like jump. So I, I remember I still have the video. My manager ended up being away the next day from work and I had my two week notice. <laughs> so I'm sitting there shaking. I took a video of it and I actually sent it to Justin at the time because we were just talking and we weren't officially together yet. But like my hand is shaking and I just shoved the notice under her door for when she gets back. <laughs> And I sent her an email copy too, because I didn't know how long she'd be gone. She was gone for 10 out of those 14 days. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, you know, I took the plunge and October 19th, 2021 was my last day working retail. And I've been doing this full time, just purely on commissions and vending at events. And Justin has been so supportive of me ever since. Um, when I sent him the video of me putting in my two-week notes, he was like, I was about to say, like, what have you been waiting for? Like, <laughs> I didn't want to come off his room, but what are you waiting for? And just having my mom be so supportive, he's always gravitated towards the fact that my mom and I are best friends. And um, I took her out to celebrate that night, like my last day, like, thanks for pushing me, like, thanks for being at this market with me, even though she doesn't do horror. And she was so out of place in the cemetery. My poor mother... She was out there in a little white hoodie with cropped jeans and little Kate Spade shoes. And she looks so out of place in the sea of goths. And she doesn't know horror. She doesn't even know the Adams family. She's like, you know, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I just know Callie did it and it's really good. And that's how she would pitch my artwork if I wasn't there. But, you know, Justin left her a five minute long voicemail while we were eating dinner, just like voicing his appreciation to her about how much he like appreciates her being my mother and how supportive she is and you know, it's just like, it's wild that that's been my life for two years now. Yeah. It's just doing this. Yeah. And in that two years, um, you know, from that graveyard to now where there's like, at least, and, 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 and granted, I, I've gotten to travel a little bit uh, <laughs> recently as far as like, and seeing the scene in Denver, the scene in Dallas, yeah, in Las Vegas. And, and to me, I, I haven't caught track of such a prolific scene as is existing in Arizona right now. And I want to know your perspective on how is that change or it changing? How do you see the current state of like these, you know, independent fairs uh, for so, art? The wild thing is like Pittsburgh has a pretty strong horror community. And I was lucky enough to kind of see that firsthand because they are the zombie capital of the United States. Right. Um, and, you know, like working with George Romero and being part of his family for a little bit and seeing that like diehard fandom, especially when they would do like Steel City Con at the Monroeville Mall and everything else like that was totally like mind boggling, um, you know, back in Scranton, we don't have a huge horror community. It's very far and few in between. Um, it's just not really heard of back home. Um, I lived in New Mexico for about five years as well in between and Again, I didn't really see much of a horror community out there either. You know, it was, again, Albuquerque is really the only thing in New Mexico to begin with. So it's harder for people to like come out there or have bigger events because there's nothing there. So when we moved out here, Justin came out two weeks before I did. I was just finishing up some stuff back home. And I'll never forget it. The day he went to Terror Trader, he FaceTimed me while he was there, number one. He was so excited to show me the store. And like, I'm sitting there like, bare-faced messy hair like cross-legged on the floor painting shoes and he just like pans the camera to Jason and I was like I don't even know who this person is I'm sorry I look a mess like hi like hello <laughs> and you know how Justin is he's very easy to talk to and he just makes everybody feel like your best friend from the moment that you meet them and I feel like he had that with Jason from the start 
but after he left terror trader he called me and he was like you're gonna love it here he's like there is horror up the butt out here <laughs> like it's he's like you don't understand like and he's been all over the world too like he's been in St. Petersburg Florida and he's been up in Salem and back in Pennsylvania and he's never seen it like this either and it's like I didn't know what to expect I was like oh it can't be better than Pittsburgh like Pittsburgh had everything we had Tom Savini and George Romero (laughs) so I came out here I didn't know what to think or what to expect And the day I came to Arizona, the day I got out here, he gave me 30 minutes to get myself put together after driving 40 hours. (laughs) Like you got 30 minutes and then we're leaving or getting back in the car. Um, And he took me to Terror Trader on New Year's Eve, 2021. And we spent four hours there until they closed shop for the night, just talking with Gina and Jason and hearing how the store had even grown in those first two months of them being open. And to see them go from what we walked into and looking back at old pictures of Terror Trader, like the day that I got there compared to what it is now, or just seeing it evolve and seeing how the events evolved, um, especially with like sales from the dark side, like seeing that go from a few 10 foot tables out in a parking lot to the April event where it was nighttime. It was like a carnival to, okay, now we're inside. We have Linnea Quigley and Oh, nope. Now we're in a bigger building. And now the Mesa convention center, it's, crazy but not only do we have terror trader there's also the spooky shops going on and there's witchcrafted and there's always all these little markets and i feel like every single one of them is just getting bigger and better out here and it's surreal i never thought like in arizona of all places where it's <laughs> hotter than Hades, like we would actually have a community that's so diehard about horror and like the goth industry and just like everything else and everybody out here has been so supportive like it's it's wild yeah, yeah. It's and it's neat to see it um firsthand here and then to you know catch glimpses of it from other towns and um other shops. It's it's just an interesting time in in as we go into 2024 where yeah. and and there's such a lack of um new content really happening because of the strikes, uh, the writer strikes exactly. And there, now that you know we have a lot of ind- independent horror to enjoy. And so I feel like and- there's a lot of independent horror in Arizona. I mean, we have Dr. Seville, we have Dylan's new nightmare. There's a ton that I'm probably missing right now that I can't think of that. I know they've shot things inside of terror trader before. And it's like, it's, it's awesome to see it all. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, do you foresee for yourself going into, um, the new year as far as big plans or projects that you're cooking up? Oh boy. Oh man. So I want to try and do more markets this year, especially I've taken a backseat to doing markets and just trying to catch up on individual commissions and trying to like work on building my style more. Um, I feel like a lot of the time, if I'm just working too much, my style just loses the amount of detail that I like to put in it. Or like I trying to learn new ways to do different types of artwork, Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely do more markets. I want to get back into the stores. I want to, um, I want to get back into sculpting because I haven't done that since Savini school. And you know, Riley, you know, Justin Zombro, uh, right. he's always pushing me about like, why don't you sculpt? Like, why don't you sculpt? And I'm like, Zombro, Zombrother, listen, like <laughs> it's a matter of buying all the materials, finding the time, having the space, being able to mold things again. Like it takes a lot of work yeah. and I haven't carved that time out for myself to do that. So I definitely want to get back into that and revisit some of my older projects and revamp them, make them newer and 
see if there's any sort of market for those on top of just doing like my custom to order things. I definitely want to have more of a backup of like ready made items, ready to ship items, um, potentially just build a website and see where we go from there. Wonderful. Um, it occurs to me that you'll have to tell me, I, I seem to remember, are you a little bit of an expert on horror movie novelizations? Am I remembering that correct? Or is it just specific novelizations? I mean, I pretty much, yeah. I've got a whole <laughs> collection of them out there. <laughs> okay, okay. So I Which, did remember. Let me tell you, I mm, I messed up because I was so excited about Mad Monster and I had a whole stack of things to bring in for um, Tom Atkins and I only grabbed my posters. I didn't grab my book. I yeah. should have grabbed my H3 book and I totally spaced <laughs> on doing that. Like I kick myself in the butt about that every time I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's So that's definitely a, a niche collection um, what, what, who all, what all do you have? Or like, it just a, so, rattle off a few. I have always been really big into reading and horror books, especially. I have a best friend of mine back in Indianapolis and monthly we do what we call book club, where we just send each other like copies of books that we both really love. We love half price books, especially. Yeah. I have a ton of Alfred Hitchcock first editions. I have a first edition of The Shining. I have my H1, 2, and 3 novelizations. I have the Ghostbusters novelizations. I have the Fright Night novelization. I have the original manuscript for Return of the Living Dead, which just makes me irate when I read that book. I was like, there's no way that this is written. And it was what the movie was originally going to be if George Romero didn't like stop working with John Russo. Like, there's no way this is what it would have been because this is just Night of the Living Dead Part Two. Like, <laughs> it made me so irate anytime I read it. But no, I'm huge into the novelizations, especially the first one I ever read was the Halloween 3 ones. I didn't know these existed until I saw that one day. And I was like, let's give it a shot. And it made me love the book more than the movie. And we know how much I love the movie. Right, like, right. <laughs> H3 is my thing. And for the book to be that much better and more visceral, um, Psycho and Psycho 2, uh, Psycho Part 2, the book, I wish that's what the movie was actually based off of because it is, again, so visceral and so disgusting. And I read that book before I ever watched Part 2. I've been a diehard Psycho fan my entire life top half of my leg is dedicated to it <laughs> but reading the book of part two just made me like oh okay this is going to be great it's going to be great I watched the movie and I'm like what is this <laughs> this is not the book like this is nothing at all like it like where did they get this concept from because this is nothing like the book but yeah it's it's wild there's so many novelizations out there and the one thing that like Justin and I really bonded over was reading yeah. which is funny. Most people don't realize he's such a reader, but no, it's reading and book clubs and like constantly like bouncing books off of each other. And like, oh, what do you think of this one? And it's, yeah, I'm just happy I have somebody who supports my addiction of buying first editions because <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations again on Best uh, Artist of 2023, Phoenix. Thank you. And excited to, you know, you know, our household loves you and, and all your stuff, but you as a person, of course but Aww. loving your stuff and, and, and hoping to collect more of it and seeing what new pops up in 2024. And um, I'm happy to have you as one of the first guests on The Chamber on the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network. So Aww, um, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Yes, hopefully we could do it again sometime. Yes, absolutely. Head straight over to Instagram, Miss underscore Callie underscore Marie.